My take on that whole Colin thing, I felt people disagreed with his premise on that, but I feel it was what he was kneeling about, was police brutality. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, if he said, well, I'm kneeling during the national anthem because I think this country can do a better job with breast cancer. I think way too many women are dying mm, of breast cancer. They'd be okay with it. Uh, they'd be jumping out they'd of their chairs. Like, Thank Good you. for you, Colin. You're right. right. We can you do a better right, job. You know? right, right. No one had a problem with the national anthem. They had a problem with why he mm. was kneeling. ESPNW presents Be Honest with Carrie Champion. So that was uh, myself and Larry Wilmore. I was on his podcast, Black on the Air. Uh, and uh, I find Larry Wilmore interesting for, for so many different reasons. Outside of being uh, an actor, a comedian, a writer, a producer, former host of The Nightly Show, I think that he is one of these these people, like when you meet them, they have their hands in so many different things. They're so creative and their mind is consistently going and going and going. You want to just take a small sliver of it or just a small piece and break it down for yourself. For me, that means a lot. I love working with creative people. In my perfect world, I'd sit around nothing but creative and smart people and they make me better and I'd make them better. And we'd sit around and we'd throw great ideas around and we'd be amazing and create great things. Uh, that's the creator in me, the expressor in me. And so when I met him, I wanted to talk to him about all the different things that he helped create. You guys know the Bernie Mac show, uh, producer on Blackish, the huge hit that I think is a huge hit anyway, Insecure with um, Issa Rae. He created so many different things. He's worked on so many different things. Those are just a few. And I truly find him extremely humble for somebody who has so many different, you know, credits to his name. But here's the thing. When you're creative, and he won't say this, when you're creative, you're just different. When you like to see things a certain way, you're just different. So from one different person to another, <laughs> I wanted him on the show to talk about many things. I mean, this podcast is going to be about different things, but I wanted him to talk about sports. I wanted him to talk about politics. I wanted him to talk about Hollywood because I wanted to get his take on how he moved through life and how he sees other people who make, you know, impact, who are influencers, if you will. So bear with us on this, be honest. It's, um, it's unique. It's creative. It's different, but it's really interesting. Welcome to Be Honest, y'all. Joining us now on Be Honest, um, he's a legend. I don't, you know what? He is, yeah, he's just a legend. Do I just call him legend or do I, I guess, well, I don't know. Larry, would you like to be legend or just Larry? Well, Larry legend makes me think of Larry Bird. So <laughs> so we'll leave legend out of it. See, and I have already have a bone to pick with you about Larry Bird already, oh my as God. we did on the show. Listen, so Larry will. Larry Bird I'm first. sorry. Okay, That's just wrong. Listen, Emmy Award winning producer, and actor, comedian, great Larry Wilmore is here. He's mad you, at Karen. me already. He's well, mad. You could have, as they pointed out earlier, <laughs> that you could have picked Larry Nance Jr. <laughs> and that would have been more acceptable to me, at least, than Larry Bird. Just as number one. Bird could have been number two. 
in terms of all-time Larrys. I forgot I had a comedian. It's I just, said I messed up. I messed up. It's the fact that he's number one, Carrie. That's the dagger. Okay, you're right. Yeah. I, I real Laker fans it's okay, do I not like me. Please don't kick me out of the fan club. Yeah. You forgive me. Oh, yeah, because I know you're a Laker fan. Yeah. So Larry Wilmore, uh, guys, by way of background, and you probably already know this, had his own show, The Nightly Show, which was amazing. Uh, he's a creator of All Things Great, Bernie Mac show, Hey Ladies, Insecure with Issa. Um, he's worked on Blackish as a producer. The credits go on and on. Uh, and, and you have a great mind. So I, I wanted to talk to you about so much sure. uh, sports because I know you're a sports fan. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'll start with, with just the obvious. Right. I was on your podcast and you made that profound statement, which was the only reason why people have a problem with Colin Kaepernick was because of the issue, mm-hmm. not necessarily the kneeling. So right. if he was kneeling for breast cancer, We'd be, we'd be like, that's great. Why would people be guy. upset at him? Who can disagree with that? So they disagreed with his premise, you know, not with the action of sitting or kneeling or whatever it is. You know, if someone said, um, you know, I, why are you, if they said, why are you sitting during the national anthem? Well, I have horrible knees. And if I get up, I could hurt myself. Oh, okay. I forgive you. So nobody cares if you sit during the national anthem. There are many perfectly good reasons, you know, if, if someone can't stand, you know, are you going to be mad at that person? So then it has to be the reason why. And because it is a divisive issue, why it's divisive, I have no idea. Um, but it is. That's what people have a problem with. It's divisive because you mentioned this to me, that people don't believe that is a problem in America. I think so, yeah. I think people think black people are making it up, you know, <laughs> and uh, that it's overstated. And many people make false equivalencies. They'll say, uh, well, what about all the black on black crime, you know? But that's not a true equivalency. Crime is done by criminals, and that's their job. As horrible as it is, it's their job to commit crime. So to say black and black crime, you're talking about crime. Police officers are in a position of authority. You're not expecting for them to be the ones at, who are responsible for your death. You know, you look for them for protection because it's a position of authority. When that happens, something is wrong. And I'm not saying like to excuse black and black crime or in my mind it's just crime you know because we don't call white on white crime white on white crime we just say crime you know <laughs> man the white and white crime this week was crazy. off the charts it was off the charts crazy white oh white my god <laughs> it was out of control don't get me started on the brown on brown crime what uh, so that's crime and crime is a problem but it always has been a problem for a long time you know hey, okay do you think he'll play again? I get really sad and disappointed in our country to think that someone who clearly is better than mm-hmm. the current quarterbacks in our leagues, I can name 10 that he's better and better than now. Uh-huh. Do you think he'll ever play again? Well, I'm only disappointed in football, not in the country on that. There's so many other reasons why he could be disappointed in the country, Carrie. You don't think that I would not choose a- Colin as one of them. <laughs> well, don't you think that's <laughs> would, an example, though? I would focus your disappointment <laughs> on Elsewhere? Football. Yes, focus your disappointment, <laughs> Carrie. Don't spread it too thin. There's too many things going on. Um, be like the eclipse. Have a, a narrow area of totality. totality, But who knows? Look, the bottom line is that's a business. And if they feel that they can make money off of him, then they probably will at the end of the day. Once this probably dies down, if I'm going to predict anything, that probably will happen. So the issue here is not so much that they uh, don't believe in what he's kneeling for or his cause. It's about money. And if it affects their bottom line, then they're not going to have Exactly. The, the color that uh, people, uh, you know, who are in the business like that care most about is green. Okay. 
I appreciate that. So yeah, then that's sure. why I'm going to have a small sliver of disappointment. Small sliver. I'm going to I'm going to take my disappointment elsewhere. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> don't yes. don't focus primarily there. Yes. How, how would you describe? Um, you had Kareem up, uh, which I thought was amazing. Oh, and, thanks. Uh, you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Larry um, Moore, Black on the Air. Black on the Air, iTunes, mm-hmm. TheRinger.com. Check it out. Yes. Um, amazing. And Thank you me. have a lot of great guests. And, and this leads me to what you said about having mm-hmm. Kareem on the podcast. You said that um, you were able to get him to go really deep by asking certain questions and picking up his nuggets and then focusing again. What did he say to you um, about the summit? What did he say to you about Bill Russell and, mm-hmm. and, and their their involvement in the movement? Well, what's interesting is that because I think Kareem is 70 or 71, I knew he would have an interesting perspective on civil rights from his point of view because he was a kid coming up. He already was getting a lot of attention at that time, you know. And uh, so just comparing that world to this world I thought would be interesting. And um, and it was really cool to hear him talk about Bill Russell. A lot of people forget how important Bill Russell was, number one, as a figurehead and a, a, a figure of inspiration for a lot of young black kids who wanted to do that, you know, or who – because Bill Russell also integrated basketball in a very significant way, a, a black star in basketball. It it wasn't there before Bill Russell. And Red Auerbach, who was a Jewish man, who befriended Bill Russell, and they as a team really didn't care about all the negativity that was coming their way. He was just as important in that relationship. And the fact that Kareem knew all that and respected it, and he had a uh, a fondness for Bill Russell. He told a great story about, I think, Bill Russell's dad leaving Louisiana with his shotgun. <laughs> and he's like, get off my lawn type of thing, you know. And I was like, I've never heard these stories, you know. And uh, and I also wanted to get his perspective as a as a young as a young man, a young black man at the time. Who, by the way, a lot of people didn't know that as Lou Alcindor at UCLA, Kareem boycotted the nineteen sixty eight Olympics. Um, we know about Tommy Smith and Juan Carlos who who did the Black Power symbol, and they were you know kind of punished for it, I guess, in society. But Kareem was just as he boycotted the Olympics. Carrie, I didn't know that, and I, I you know I'm a big fan of both the Olympics and. Of Kareem's career, you know, and I just thought that was a very interesting thing. And the whole summit with Ali and Jim Brown and all those people was they really there were two things going on there. Uh, One from my mind, I think, was a show of solidarity for Ali, who, by the way, because he had just become Muslim and not just Muslim, but nation of Islam, like the scariest form of Muslim, <laughs> right? It's such a big problem. Very scary. Yeah, right. So uh, <laughs> it's like you think you're scared now, white people. Oh. Nation of Islam. Now you're really scared. <laughs> you know, and uh, to show solidarity with Ali at the time, you know, when they didn't have to. And uh, and it's one thing. And Jim Brown, who was at the top of his game then, and Kareem, Lou Alcindor at the time, who was just beginning, Carrie. Mm. He had everything to lose just from being associated with This is why with OJ that. tapped out. Yes, yes, that was at the exact same time too when OJ was at USC. Yeah. When Kareem was at UCLA, you know. Of course, we're both UCLA fans. Yes, you know? we are. <laughs> so, <laughs> those are you don't reasons. tap out when you go to UCLA. <laughs> Side it's, note, but I, I find that period of history very interesting because a lot of it mirrors what's going on today with um, athlete activism. What are the costs of it? Um, Ali was not afraid of the costs. You know, he knew that he could be out of boxing. He didn't know if he was going to box again, but it was more important for him to stand his ground. And I think Colin should have that same perspective. If he doesn't play football again, Carrie, mm. that's that can that can that's be okay. the cost. 
but it can be the cost. Of you know? course, but that might be okay, and he might, might be okay. And right now, that might be his journey. What you he's might have dealing a, with. You might have a better place afterwards because of that. <laughs> so you take a look at society, and I, I'd like to talk politics with you because I I think that sports mm-hmm. is just a small reflection of what we are dealing with. <laughs> on the heels of Charlottesville. When, mm. when you think about our president uh, mm-hmm. and you think about Charlottesville, and I tell you, I told you this, uh, you know, on the way up here that Larry King, the great Larry King, mm-hmm. a great interviewer at one point in time in his career said that he's known Donald Trump for 35 years and this is not the Donald that he knows. Yeah. You disagree with that statement? Um, I don't, I would, I always like to disagree with the premise. <laughs> you know, I, I would argue that I don't think he knew Donald Trump. You know, so I would rephrase that a little bit. So you're know? thinking that Donald Trump has always been this man. He he's, well, was able to fool people, or he had well. Here's to be... the thing, Karen. Here's how I feel about the the presidency. I don't believe the presidency builds character. I feel it reveals character. I see. You know, I think it shows who the person is more than makes the person. The Civil War showed the character of Abraham Lincoln. Um, the the great presidents are always measured by great events because those great events reveal who they really are. It's tough to be a great president if there aren't big events during your presidency. We don't regard those presidents as big. We think of Franklin Roosevelt, Great Depression, World War II, you know, things like that, you know. And uh, when you look at Trump and the way he behaves, and I I have fun on my show making fun of him, like I, <laughs> like I've always kind of uh, paired a fruit with a dictator. That I thought was a fun game. Like sure. I call him the Mango M- Mussolini or <laughs> Orange Julius Caesar. Sure, I think it's fun. Sure, sure. And people wait in the Nectarine Noriega. Uh-huh. I think is very nice. Okay, okay. Uh, the Tangerine Idi Amin. If okay, you will. if you will. The Pumpkin Putin is not bad. I, I know, get the orange similes. theme that we're developing. Yeah, here. the orange is very good. If you will, <laughs> if I may, if I may. <laughs> yes. What does "if you will" mean? I don't know. It's what I say it all the time. Yes. If yes. you will, what does that mean? Can someone tell me? I like throwing those into like. Hundred conversations <laughs> or whatever, you know. It's like if those. You mo- <laughs> if, if you, you will, will. Right. <laughs> they don't piss me off. But a, but a lot of his behavior, <laughs> who he really is, and some of it is pettiness. I, I always considered him a narcissistic sociopath, you know. And and it plays out. Here's the thing, Gary. Steve Bannon could not be more ideological in line with the things that Trump wants to do. Whether it's the wall, whether it's his anti-globalism approach his he calls it his his um his ecocentric mentality as opposed to ethnocentric but he got so much attention he was on the cover of time magazine that was too much for trump Mm -hmm. that's insane Mm. i mean but this is who the man is you know Mm. and uh, even republicans are having like cognitive dissonance as they're they're kind of throwing up in their own mouths right now the reason why i i asked you that larry king statement and i'll share a story with you when i was a reporter in west palm beach i I covered Trump during his high, you're fired apprentice years. Mm-hmm. And he was always so generous, yeah. always so kind to me. Mm-hmm. I had turnkey access to Mar-a-Lago. Right. I would bring my family in from California to come visit. And I'm like, hey, guess what? Mm-hmm. We can go to his palatial estate, you right. know, on the island. Let's go. Sure. And he was... Everyone, he was just always so nice to me. Mm-hmm. He was, he never not, he always gave me an interview. He let me do whatever. And it, and I had nothing, I had nothing to offer him. I was a local mm-hmm. news reporter right. uh, at a local television station. I, I, he had no idea what I would be or what I would become. And so sure. that's why I feel as if when I, when I see him saying certain things that clearly didn't match the way in which he treated me or talked to me, Your experience, right. my experience, I'm like, this is crazy. But mm-hmm. obviously, you know, I, I like your premise of your, 
maybe his character is being revealed. And it's not, and it's not to me, um, to me, I think, and you tell me your thoughts on what mm-hmm. you feel. I, I think Charlottesville is a result, a result of people being empowered now mm-hmm. that he's in office. I feel like they're empowered. The mm-hmm. nationalists. There's are wind at their back. Right. Of his, of his, of, because of what he says. Mm-hmm. Like when you got David Duke saying, thank you, Mr. President, for speaking for us. Right. Wait, time out. That might not be right. Yeah. And to me, look, and I can go along. See, I, I don't think the president has much ideology. I think he has a few uh, positions that he that he holds and he's held for a long time. But I don't think by and large he's that ideological except for Trump ideology. OK. You know, for the promotion of his name and his ethos. Right. And the fact that that group of people support him is is the thing that's important for how he treats them. If they did not support him, I don't think he would have the same kind of nice actions or words towards them because I do think it's all about his support. And you can see how fast he turns against people. Yeah, it's about him at the end of the day. I only care about myself. I don't care about anything else but myself. Yeah, so, like, I'm not quick to label, to say, well, Trump's a bigot and a racist. Yeah, I'm not not going there either. Yeah, I say he's a narcissistic sociopath. Like, there's there's an an inability to empathize and to... uh, to put yourself in someone else's shoes, you know, just to have some thoughtfulness about policy and the world that you're in, you yeah. know, it's it's more of a reflexive policy the way that he's president. Yeah. I, when he had that meltdown the other day after Charlottesville, uh, yeah. I, I literally tweeted, this is why they keep mm-hmm. him on prompter. Because yeah. when he was on prompter, you're like, oh, he's not. Right. He has no empathy. He's this. He's that. But there's a reason they try to keep him. Yes on brand so that he right. doesn't go off and say something like I believe yes. I like I believe that has to be the most difficult job in the world to be his press secretary to oh, have it's, to, it's an impossible I, job. it's an impossible yeah. job because you're like, this is here are your talking points stay here right no 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 right. no I'm gonna talk about what I want to and I'll tell you what I okay okay and just he'll just dismiss you if yes. you don't agree what he right. has to say or if you're too good and you start getting too much attention which is crazy it's oh. insane it's, yes. it's just I, I right. don't know. After the break, uh, Larry Wilmore is going to hang out with us and talk a little bit about Insecure, how it was created, what he thinks of Issa, and other Hollywood things that you might find interesting. We'll be back in just a few moments. Okay, and then my other thought, because I always like to get your thoughts on everything, mm-hmm. and I feel like you're a man of many talents. I asked you this on the show. Tell me if you think mm-hmm. some of the things that we're saying, because you're working on um, a show now, The Mayor. Like I said, you're yeah, on consulting Black-ish. on a new ABC show called The Mayor. Tell me mm-hmm. about that. Oh, The Mayor is so much fun. Um, it's created by Jeremy Bronson, who I think used to work in news at some point, but is a very funny comedy writer. And, uh, he, <laughs> and this had nothing to do with the election of last year. I think it had to do with politics in general when he came up with the idea. I believe so. But it was about this guy uh, who's a rapper. Uh, he lives in Northern California. He just was trying to get some attention for his career and decided to run for mayor as a way to get attention and ended up winning. And the show deals with what happens when now you have to do that, you yeah. know, and it's really a lot of fun. By the way, that's yeah. not even fictional. That's probably yes, more. That's, that's literally like, oh, wait, I'm president <laughs> or just right. or whatever the case well, may be. Trump, yeah. I mean, we have a reality show star. <laughs> Our president. I don't think Trump thought he was going to be president. When I, he first don't started. So I don't either. think so either. Yeah. You know, I, and he tried very hard not to be. I, <laughs> yeah. He became president in spite of what he did, as opposed like, to y'all because crazy. Of, he looked around like y'all crazy. Yeah. Right there, y'all like to be cuckoo. Yeah, he's kind of the first president to campaign against himself and actually and win in spite of that. <laughs> yes. uh, um, okay, can we talk about our Lakers? Yes, please. Thank you. 
there's so much I want to talk to you about. All right. I don't, I, I'm Go all over it. the place here. But can we talk about our Lakers? I'm optimistic. Are you? I'm beyond optimistic. Okay, Am good. I wrong for being optimistic? No. Should I should I have cautious optimism? No, it's done. You know, it's it's not, done. No, it's done. D a w n. It's the dawn oh. of a of a new era. But uh, for so long, we were in that twilight of knowing that nighttime is here and. <laughs> You know? <laughs> Nighttime is yeah. Sad. It's like all right, okay. You gotta wait till the next day. Come on, new day. Well, either way, we yeah. gotta. In the interest of full disclosure, we went to a game and you were ripping yeah. those kids. Like yeah. you were like, uh uh-uh. uh no. Uh-uh, who is this? Do they I care? Was. Who? What they doing? I know. And, you know, I may have been too harsh on Brandon Ingram at the time. Remember, I was... I was you were hard on him. I was saying I wasn't feeling him. But I, I do like his work ethic. I didn't know that about him. Had I known that, I might have a different opinions. So my opinions change on Brandon. Okay, good. I have high hopes I for agree him. with you. I agree. And it's because of his work ethic. I, I agree with you. It's Cause hard. Cause talent just like... takes you to a certain point, but we know the best. Look at their work ethic. Hmm. You know, everybody from MJ to Kobe. Don't to get me started on work ethic. I can't stand a horrible work ethic. Look at you. I, I can't even imagine how much you work. I am lazy. I, I'm, I'm doubtful. I'm lazy and I'm a procrastinator. Doubtful. And the only thing that saves me from that is work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that means I'm working all <laughs> right. the time. And when I say lazy, I like to have fun. That's yeah, of course. Of of course, of course, of course. But, um, yeah. but but work for me is an intervention against my own worst instincts. That's what work is. Meaning, like my if I didn't have to work, I mean, who knows what horrible things you get yourself <laughs> yes, into? Exactly. So work is the perfect intervention against uh, all of my worst instincts. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that I love what I do and everything. So I'm very passionate about it too. Yeah. So, well, yeah. look, you, do you need to be passionate about the, them coming after our boy Magic? Yeah, see, I don't like that. You know, this whole, what, they're accusing Indiana, was accusing Magic of tampering or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, why don't we go back to when David Stern tampered with the Lakers. Yeah, everyone keeps reading that. CP3, (laughs) you know, from coming. Spoken like a bitter Laker fan. Yeah, Indiana, they need to think about tampering with some talent themselves. I just feel like it's so it's so wild and ridiculous because he's with the Thunder and who knows? You never know what could happen. Do you he think he's going to stay there? I hope not. I hope he comes to the Lakers, but mm-hmm. Paul George said on his own, I want to I want to play for the Lakers. What do yeah. you What's your deal? What is this about? And it, you know what it's about. Mm-hmm. This is my theory that they are um they know we're coming. It's the dawn, as you say. I think so. And they don't I like agree. it. They like stepping they like on our neck. All. And yep. they don't like what they see, what it could be. That's so exactly right. I'm sorry. Lakers are back. But I'm sorry. We back, baby. And the Celtics are getting better now, so we may see some more Lakers-Celtics in the next few years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We'll see. Okay. I don't know. You no, think? see, I like beating the Celtics, Carrie. Okay. You want them to be good so we can beat them. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Where you know what I, I I feel like it's a good time for us. I feel as if and by us because we're diehard fans. I feel as if this is what do you give us two years? No, we don't make the playoffs this year. Do because Lon Lavar Ball said that we will be in the playoffs this year with Lonzo. Is that accurate? I don't think so. I think he's got a lot to learn as a young player. Um, the I, the few times I've seen him play, I've been not greatly impressed, but I feel like he's got a lot of potential. I don't think he takes over games yet for the NBA. I don't think he's that type of player. But I think his learning curve will probably be pretty pretty quick. But it takes a while. The West is too strong right now, Carrie. There are too many good, solid teams right now. Okay. It's going to – yes. Look, the West is, what, 10 teams okay, deep? Okay, okay. I'm just ready today. I'm just being real. I'm not like it. the Clippers where I hide banners yeah. to make me think that <laughs> – You're just being I'm, honest. Yes, exactly. Yes. I'm being honest yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm bummed about that because that's probably but it's real. okay because all that's all those players are getting older. By the time our Lakers are okay. twenty four and twenty five, okay, we're gonna have the West all to ourselves. Okay, that's what you gotta focus okay, on. Okay, brother, because how, how old is how old is uh, Lonzo? Nineteen. Go ahead. 
it's four, a, five years. <laughs> With these good. 25, it's like, yeah, baby, okay. come on, Lakers. Okay, okay, all right. Look, you gave me something to look hey, forward Steph, to. Hey, Steph, how old are you now? 38? 38? <laughs> how'd you get so old? <laughs> so old. Um, okay. Brother, why are you shooting three-pointers now? Your favorite basketball player of all time. Magic Johnson. Why? Well, so Why not Michael? Well, I, Michael is he's not one of my favorite players, Michael Jordan. I liked Michael Jordan, but because I'm here's how much I'm a Laker fan, Carrie. Okay. Do you know who my second favorite player is? Larry Nance Jr. Jerry West. Okay. <laughs> That's how much I'm oh, a Laker deep. fan. You're Steve. deep. I'm a deep Laker fan, yeah. all right. Um so but to me, Magic changed the game in so many great ways, you know, power of his personality, all those types of things. I was so lucky. I was playing basketball in those days. I wasn't, you know, on that level, but I played with players who were, you know, and I knew about Magic when he was still in high school and he was coming out and a friend of mine played at Minnesota and played, you know, in the same, uh, you know, conference with him. So the two days before Magic's first game was the Laker, I went with my dad down to Inglewood. He used to get a haircut down in Inglewood. Um, I forgot what street it was. And we're sitting there, and Magic comes in. It's first before his first comes like it. My dad doesn't know who he is. And I go, Dad, that's Magic. He goes, I go, it's Magic Johnson. And then some other people told him later, and he goes, hey, Larry, that's Magic Johnson. So I told you who it was, right? <laughs> but at that time, Carrie, he was still urban, uh-huh. right? He wasn't Magic. Even though he's Magic. You know what I'm talking yeah, about, Yeah, for right? sure. So I sit next to him, and I go, hey, man. I just had to come up. And we talked for about 45 minutes, uh-huh. you know? And it was so great to talk to him. This was before. This is before his very first game, which he played down in San Diego when Kareem made the hook shot and he hugged him and all that stuff. So this is like two days before. And I, we had the best conversation. I remember saying, Magic, you're going to own this town, you know, and this is going to be yours and everything. And he was so humble and he was so nice. And I'll never forget that moment, Kerry. And and maybe because of being in that era and seeing it happen and the way he won over the city, let alone – Look how noble he was when he came to, when he had the HIV diagnosis and how he handled that as a man, you know, transcended the sport in all those ways. And now he's running the Lakers. How can Magic not be my favorite? You're right. No, I'm not Same. disagreeing. I look. I just wanted to challenge you. I, he is by far my favorite. <laughs> I, please, everyone who knows me knows Magic can yes. do no wrong. Right, Magic to me, and Jordan was like this in many ways too. They, of course, were very talented, but it was their will to win that set them apart. They hated lo- they in fact they probably hated losing more than they loved winning. <laughs> you know, like they refused to lose even more than they I remember to win, you know? Serena said this not too long ago. She said, "When I lose a match, I'm literally sitting on the other side of the court or standing yeah. on the other side of the court shaking the opponent's hand like, did that did that just happen? Like I it's know. this like surreal. They're not getting around, yeah. Like she's just like, I don't even under I don't even understand how that happened. Right. Yeah, and that and that is true for the greats in any aspect. Yeah. Uh, any any walk of life. Like you hate yeah. to lose. You want to win at all times. The, yeah. And you can do it with joy, you can do it with class. You don't have to put it in somebody's face. No. Like Magic never did that, you know. He was a gracious loser as well as a winner, you know. Yeah, but I think he was uh like I think he was the sweetest killer ever. Meaning like yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a smile all Smiling day. Assassin. Yeah. yeah, but I'm gonna get you. Right. And I'm gonna tell you and I'm gonna talk to you. And you yeah. may not hear it, right? But I'm getting it, and I'm doing it, and right. you need to take it. That like, was seriously. that was the talking <laughs> days too, which was nice. Bird, yeah. magic. What's Jordan. this? Like, yeah, nowadays everybody's best friends. 
I can't stand it. I'm not it. a big fan of that. I cannot stand it. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. How do you really feel about it? <laughs> no, I am serious because I want the competition. I think that yeah. give me the storyline, drive me, move me, right? I like you when my career is over. How about that? Yeah, when I'm all said and yeah. done. We can banana boat, you know, <laughs> when in 10 it? years. Yeah. When I can barely get out of the banana boat. How about we'll do it then? Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do you, and speaking of careers, I, and I go back to this because you guys, we mentioned it earlier, he, he uh, is the creator of uh, Insecure with Issa. Do you ever talk to her about mm-hmm. the episodes currently, or do you guys get over it, like do an overarching theme, or tell Not me much. how that works? Well, with Insecure, Issa and I uh, co-created the show, and I went off to uh, help Kenya launch Blackish, and then did my own show, Nightly Show, so I wasn't directly involved with Insecure once it started, but I was still a consultant, and I would talk, like from New York, I would call sometimes, and we'd have conversations, and um, but it was more of an overall type of, you know, godfather type of thing. And uh, Issa and I are working on a different project right now together. We're writing something together. So I still see her a lot. Mm-hmm. And and most of the time I'm just like acknowledging the work and that type of thing, you know. And sometimes she'll um, – yeah, she'll ask for certain things. But it's more of a, man, you guys are crushing it over there. It's or, so, it's or talking over like at the beginning of the season what the story arc is that and that type of thing. Yeah. Why is it so popular in your opinion? You know, that's a good question, but I'll tell you why I fell in love with her when I met her, and I think that's part of the reason why it's a hit. I think sometimes shows that become a part of the culture and become a hit, and I'm saying it's a hit, but, uh, you know, I may not – I don't know if I should use that. I don't know if it's really a hit. I'm just – I'll say for the people that like it, it's the qualities that Issa has, and she has kind of this ability to have what I call public solitude, you know, where she could be in public, but it's like she's alone. And she's a shy actor as opposed to an extroverted actor. So her acting brings you inside of her rather than she's it's coming out out here. So you feel like she's your friend, you know, like you get to know her. And she has this amazing quality to disarm you into accepting anything that she says because she's so likable and she's so real. Those are the qualities that I saw when I met her. And I was like, wow, I want to. That's what I want to write, yeah, looking at her. I'm right. like, right there is what right, I want to write, right. and I want to write with you. And uh, so that was part of our process. Was Part of it, part of the process of writing the pilot was me just interviewing her for weeks. Tell me about this. Tell, yes, you better tell me about your sex life. Yeah. What about this? Yeah. What about this? Yeah. You know, tell me your secrets. Tell me, you know, dark stuff, light stuff. So it was all that stuff. Wow. And that became what the show was, was all of that, you know. And Do you think she's vulnerable? Oh, she's one of the she's vulnerable and she's fierce at the same time. So she has a fierce vulnerability. Mm -hmm. She's as an artist, she can allow herself to be completely vulnerable. But as a person in showbiz, she's fierce. She's a she uh, is an entrepreneur. She's such a self-star. You talk about somebody that works all the time. She's doing so many things, Mm -hmm. Carrie, but she's smart about it, too. And she has so much humility about her work. You know, like both of us are very similar in the fact that we don't care about showbiz trappings, you know. Um, we're just, and we, I think we like each other because we're, we feel like we're normal in that sense. Right, you know, right, we don't, right. I don't care about going to this or yeah, that. Yeah, you whatever. didn't go to that. Yeah, no. I really don't, yeah. you know. So when we work together, we're interested in dramatizing what something is really about. And that whole theme of insecure of, I don't know who I am or where I'm going, which is in the DNA of every scene of that show, I thought was a really good issue for someone her age. And people that can relate to, here's a woman who's got everything. She's talented. She's smart. She's educated. She doesn't know where she is. Mm-hmm. 
She doesn't know where she's going. As, as that, that speaks to so many of us. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, and I that's think people where, relate to where that. Where we mostly all are. Yes. Yeah. It, it doesn't age, we, class, race. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. We're yeah. all like, I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you jump in that water and start swimming uh, yeah. and you hope you get to the other side. And you, you know. And out. sometimes you stay in that lounge chair and you just kind of hope something good happens. Depending you know? on what it is, right? Yeah, I, so. I love that. That was so well said. That was yeah. so beautiful. I feel like I <laughs> oh, might thanks, have Kim. one Denzel thug tear for you. For one that. what? One Denzel thug tear. Oh, from I Glory. love that. I just yeah. feel like that was beautiful. I, I think yeah. that um, when I sit and talk to you, I'm always more about how creative your mind is and how it works. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting. Thanks, you're very kind. Oh gosh, just the truth. But it's just not to give you a compliment, but it's interesting because I'm I'm genuinely interested mm-hmm. in how you move, how you think, how you create. Mm-hmm. Um and that to me is just, you know, what makes others great. So, mm-hmm. you know, I want that for me. So I so I yeah. sit there and I listen to you and think about yeah. God, how great that is. Tell me all these different things you're doing and all the because yeah. I it's looking past the surface, you know. Yeah. And getting when I work with John Stewart, which by the way, I feel how fortunate am I to be yeah. able to work with somebody like that? But John was so brilliant because he doesn't do the first joke. Because all comedians know what the first joke on something is. And that's the obvious low-hanging fruit. John, he, he doesn't even go to the second joke. He goes even beyond that. And he gets deep into point of view, like how you really feel about something. And what is the and not only how you really feel about it, but what is really going on here? And what's the story that is not being told but is the real story? And working with John Stewart and seeing how he works like that, because for me as a creative, I had done my own version of that, but not quite in that type of material. You know, it was eye-opening how much passion and how much integrity he had around material. And I think if you attempt to do that with everything, even if you miss, at least you're attempting Attempting that. to have passion and integrity with everything you do. Yes, exactly. Both are important. Yeah. It's not important just to be passionate. I think you have to have integrity in your storytelling as well. And by that you mean, I'm asking. Well, integrity of storytelling for me is being authentic. You know, it it doesn't matter what your opinion is. You have to go for the truths of something. I have to be willing to drop my opinion about something if the truth tells me something else. You know, if if it tells me that I think this is a story about, you know, finding something, but it I find out it's really a story about loneliness, mm. you know, then I go, oh, okay, sorry. I thought it was this. <laughs> I can't do that story now. <laughs> I guess now. it is this. So many times <laughs> things appear and tell you what they are, you know. Um, and different forms work in different ways in how they tell you that, you know. Like even interviewing people. We were, we were talking about interviewing uh, earlier, you know, about Kareem and that kind of stuff and how do you get things out of people. And I think the to me, um, integrity in interviewing is really active listening to the person and not just waiting to ask your next question, but what's coming across at you right now and who's that person that's coming across. And there may be something going on there that has nothing to do with what they're saying right now, but it's going to lead to a really good next thing. And to be, so I try to be consciously aware of that all the time and not just rely on what I think a thing should be. I I interviewed a Kumail Nanjiani who has the movie, the big stick. He's so funny. He's done uh, Silicon Valley. And I had all these questions set up for him. And he made a joke about, yeah, I'm doing all these interviews. And people ask me all these questions. And I had a few questions that he made fun of. I'm like, Arr! so I just threw those out. <laughs> and we had the best great, conversation. Great, we great. talked about arranged marriage and relationships. Uh-oh. And we got into relationships. Yeah. But, uh, but in terms of movie making and yeah. story and so many things. And it was so much fun. I think 
that's absolutely fascinating. You know, I've, I literally the whole time I'm talking to you, and I hope these you, you folks who are listening are writing down these nuggets. I hope you you've taken something away, like because I feel like now I have to do like ten more things to make myself great, what? And be amazing. Yeah, you're already great, Carrie. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm already hanging there. in there. You're I'm almost there. there. Okay, there. so listen. I'm just taking this mug away. That's all I'm taking. That you can keep I'm the very mug. Simple. I've been told that man. I've been told we have to wrap. Yes. Um, Larry Wilmore, words of wisdom on all things. I appreciate you coming on my my small little baby podcast. You came on mine. Tell everybody where they can find your podcast. Larry Wilmore, Black on the Air. It's part of the Ringer Network, and you can get an iTunes, Spotify. All the places where you get your, uh, <laughs> your podcast, yeah, yes. exactly. He's exactly. had some great guests, folks. Like I can't from, and they range from Charlemagne the God to yeah. Malcolm Gladwell to me to Issa, Barry Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, listen, mm-hmm. everybody, and they're yeah. always just it's it could be like a TED talk if you will. So yeah. uh, definitely uh, check it out, Larry Wilmore. Thank you so much for being Thanks, on, honest. Love you much. Love you more. Hey, everybody, I'm going to close out the uh, edition of this podcast uh, just with something that I've been noticing. I feel as if there's been a change or a, a shift, if you will, in sports. This week, we saw 12 players with the Browns, you know, kneel during the national anthem. Tight end Seth DeValve said something that I thought was profound and uh, that his children won't look like him because he's married to a black woman and he wants to make sure he's doing his part. Chris Long, we've acknowledged him for at least, you know, standing in agreement with his brother. Justin Britt, you know, with Michael Bennett. There are so many more um, faces added to the movement, Uh, the movement of speaking of social injustice. But it's also it's also saying I'm in agreement with Colin and, and, and give the man a job. I think it's I think there's two things working here. And it makes me happy. I don't think Colin Kaepernick will get a job again. I think he's too divisive. Um, I think that he will affect someone's bottom line. And at the end of the day, it's about money. And people want to get paid. The owners want their money. They don't want to disrupt that portion of the business. They don't want to lose revenue because of a movement. But I do like what's happening. I like that we're having uncomfortable conversations um, about race and politics and and asking people to do their part because we're all in this together. We cannot stand by quietly without using our platform, whatever that may be. My platform, your platform, you could be blogging, you could be talking to your neighbor. You don't necessarily need a TV show to do it. You don't necessarily need to be an athlete to do it. But again, standing in agreement that something's wrong in our country and we can't be quiet because if we're quiet, we are complicit. That's just the truth. It'll be interesting to see what happens when the football season starts I believe we'll see more of a change. We'll see more people added to the movement, uh, more people standing in agreement or kneeling in agreement, however you want to do it. It's not about the anthem. It's about the movement. It's about the issue at hand. Um, and Colin's issue was quite simply black men are being killed at a disproportionate rate here in the United States of America, and something should be done about it. Don't lose that message. It's not about the anthem. Standing, kneeling, sitting, whatever you want to do. It's the message that Colin wants to get out and he wants to make sure that we're doing something about it. It's a message that we should all care about because at the end of the day, we're more alike than we're different. Isn't that right? We're more alike than we're different. We're all mixed in some kind of way. If I don't care about my neighbor, who's going to care about my neighbor? If he doesn't care about me, then what am I doing? Anyway, I'm hopeful. I haven't said that in a while. I'm hopeful. Hopefully you are too. 
Thanks for listening to Be Honest with Carrie Champion. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.